You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 173 and 174 of Fed by Ravens. Reading through the Bible, you're hearing live guitar music, and live working out the story in the way of the oral tradition. That's right. So let's get to it. Our Old Testament reading for today is 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 10, through chapter 12, verse 24. Mm. Some angst. Man, we, were, we are... If I had to sing a blues song, I'd be like, we're at the pinnacle of Israel's success. We're at the pinnacle of Israel's success. Yeah. All right. And uh, let's hang on to that for a hot second. <laughs> for as we? long as possible. It's quite a pinnacle. Yeah. So we are, in, in chapter 9, I mean, it's the Lord has appeared to Solomon, right? So we mm-hmm. just saw the dedication of the temple. God promises to put his name, his eyes, his ears, his presence, every, on this place and on the line of David, yeah. Solomon. Solomon's mm-hmm. line and descendants. He's made some promises. And then it goes on, um, the rest of the chapter, to, do, to list some of Solomon's other acts. Yes. So he built a lot of structures, yeah. um, a lot of different great buildings and stuff, and then Hiram, after he provided him everything, the yeah. king of Ty- Tyre, Tyre. As, as we like to yeah, it's Tyre, say it here, um, he, in payment for his services, Solomon gives him um, 20 cities in the land of Galilee. And Hiram shows up to visit his, like his, it's like a vacation home. Right. Let me see these cities I got. And oh, uh, right. David was good to me. Solomon's been good to me. We've been doing business together. Let's go see where my new vacation home he is. He shows up to these burnt out, like, labor camps. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> and, it, yeah. And he feels cheated. Yeah. And you start to f- you start to sense here, like, okay, all right, that's not bad. We're looking at it. I've already read the rest of this section. Yeah. But you can start to see here Solomon is maybe getting a little too wise for his mm-hmm. himself. Like, oh, I got these as gifts from one of my wives married to Pharaoh. So, like, these cities were basically burned out and destroyed by a Pharaoh who then gave them to one of his daughters who gave them to him because he made an alliance, kind of a political alliance. That's that's what I read. So that's why these cities are so bad. They're not like cities that Solomon had and des- destroyed, but they were kind of products of a deal. And, you know, it's like basically Solomon's whipped out the old coupon book and is figuring out how to, to pay back Hiram. Mm-hmm. And he should have treated Hiram a little better. He's getting a little greedy. Yeah. Potentially. Right. Another- or another take is... Hiram's trying to... Hiram's getting a little greedy. Yeah, he's he wants better land. But yeah, either way, true. it kind of ends in like... It doesn't matter. It's, it's like, okay. Eh, all right. It's just things are getting weird. And then uh, Solomon, though, drafted to build the house of the Lord. He drafted to build his own house. And he you start kind of reading about like... Uh, the way I thought of it was you got... The intrigue is cities, slaves, ships, seamen. Sea you got all sorts of stuff happening. Uh, so we have, uh, basically all the Canaanites that were still in the land yeah. that weren't officially driven out or killed, uh, that have still maintained their, uh, cultural identities are turned into slaves yes. and they create the labor force to build all of these wonders of the world at this moment, right. um, during Solomon's reign. And it truly does. Like the temple and his house are one of mm-hmm. the seven wonders of the ancient world. Yes. 
And, uh, and it does kind of say, like, well, the people of Israel, they weren't slaves. They were just in charge of the slave labor. And uh, it just kind of ends, chapter 9 ends with, like, yeah, and he would go and sacrifice the Lord in the temple three times a year at the major festivals. And then he built a fleet of ships, and he and Hiram kind of joined in a shipping venture, yeah. potentially all the way out to Spain. Yeah. They crossed the Mediterranean Sea and started trading with Spain. Yeah. So that's kind of where it ends. And then, and again, this is just, this chapter, the beginning of it feels different and special. because oh, actually, it's sorry. About the Lord. And uh, down into Africa. Yeah. By the end of it, it's starting to feel like Solomon is kind of like every other king of a major dominant nation. Yeah. Okay. Well, it all pinnacles in chapter 10 here with the queen of Sheba. Mm-hmm. Um, she comes to Solomon because she wants to test him. I've heard all these things. Surely he can't be that wise or that rich. And long story short, it's like well beyond what she could even imagine. Mm-hmm. She gives tons of spices like there's never been before because she wants to be friends with this guy. Yeah. They're now making trade deals. Their uh, alliances are being mm-hmm. made because she's like, whoa, we thought we were mm-hmm. some of the most powerful people on earth. Turns out you are. And so it just kind of talks about all his wealth. And um, and he's the richest man in the world. Where does, um, where's that verse about um, baboons and peacocks? Oh, that's 22. So that's when they go to Spain. And once every three years, the fleet of ships of uh, Tarshish used to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Yeah. It's like the dream of the 90s is alive in Israel. Yeah. Because that is so weird. It's like a circus going on. So mm-hmm. he's collecting all these things. But one thing I noticed by the end as we... Um, well, you're just noticing he's he's getting horses. He's getting all these things that in Deuteronomy it was like a violation for the king of Israel. Yes. Many horses, many wives, many things. Like, this is, he's kind of headed toward that way. He's slipping. Mm -hmm. He's starting to believe that he's the richest, most blessed king on earth, deserving anything and everything he wants. Right. So, that uh, is indeed what's happening. Yeah. So now we get into the decline. I think it's so... The sharp decline. So we just (laughs) climbed to the peak of Israel history. We should take a moment to take in in the view. Okay. Okay. So look around. There's peacocks. God has gold. Yeah, like cedar. It's everything smells like cedar. Everything is like cedar. It's overlaid in gold. I'm a commoner and I have so much silver I don't know what to do with right, it. Right. Like only I'm throwing gold. it away. So the the nation is uh, surrounded by allies. The borders are strong. Whatever little things are going on uh, in the promised land, Solomon is able to just squelch, make them turn them into laborers. You don't even want to kill the enemies anymore because you can use them. You're mm-hmm. so powerful. Everything is great. And if you are um, an Israelite or one of the tribes, you're just thinking to yourself, this is great. What a golden era. And honestly, like if you were lucky enough to be born towards the end of David, like after the Absalom mm-hmm. issue or the pestilence, you want to be born right after David's census. Yes. Like be born after the pestilence because mm-hmm. then you got a sweet yeah. spot. You got a time where... You're basically, let's say you're born right after that. You're born and you're a year old when uh, Solomon comes to reign. You're 40 years old and life has been pretty great. Mm -hmm. A lot of work, a lot of stability, a lot of food. Oh, it's so good. And I wish we could stay here. Right. But the weird thing about wealth and prosperity is that I think 
Well, I don't even think. I believe, and it's stated very clearly, it's harder <laughs> to walk with God yes. than when you are broke yes. and are on the run. Like, yet we still desire. You'd think we would fear wealth mm-hmm. and prosperity. We'd be like, I don't want to be there because that's, man, when you go there, it's hard to meet God. But really, we all fear poverty, right? We're like, mm-hmm. I don't want to have nothing. I would rather have all things and maybe be a little poor in my relationship to God. It's just crazy. So the wisest man on the planet ever, right. full of wisdom, still is battling, is going to battle with his human nature. And the wisdom starts to turn in chapter 11. I think this is like, all you can say here is, oh, no. <laughs> so it all begins with his, you know, his cool 700 wives <laughs> slash 300 concubines. He has a solid 1,000. And you know these numbers are probably rounded or whatever. Yeah. About 1,000 women uh-huh. that are his. his. Yes. Um, now, the good thing, it, it is what it sounds like, right? It just <laughs> sounds bad. But the interesting thing is that he, I believe, he falls in love with many of them. Mm-hmm. So because he's wise, you, you have to imagine he's sensitive. He's, he can hear people, hear, hear their hearts, what's really going on. Yeah. And I think he falls in love with many of these women. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for him, like almost all 700 wives, I'm imagining the 300 are concubines from Israel. Yeah. I think the 700 are political allies. allies. So all mm-hmm. the kings have given a daughter to this guy to mm-hmm. ensure, hey, we're family now, so you're not going to kill me. We won't kill you. Right. And he starts to fall in love with these women yes. because he's a wise dude. He knows how to make a relationship work. The problem is he was never supposed to have all these wives in the first place. Right, or marry foreigners. Right. I think the rare part here is that he loved them and mm-hmm. that his heart was swayed by them. I don't think they did it by force. Like, believe in our gods, but they turned, I should say, we haven't said it yet, these wives turned his heart from the Lord. Yes. Because they were from all these surrounding nations that didn't worship God. He falls in love with them, spends time with them, starts to go, oh, I hear your heart. You long for where you came from. Mm-hmm. You know what? You're a nice person. It's probably not bad to worship that God you have. And then that slowly leads him into doing something so abominable and unwise. It's shocking. It's shocking. He builds a high place to one of the worst gods ever. I mean, to all of the worst gods. I, yeah, so you have Shamash, um, Molech, I mean, and Milcom, and Ashtoreth. And so... Milcom, Shamash, and Molech actually are all variations of the same. Right. They are all gods that you sacrifice your children to. So, and I think you've read this. I'm going off what you told me. Yes, about yes, yes. They make the big thing. So it's a giant altar of the god who looks, it's like a bronze statue of a man who has his arms held out. They heat the bronze statue up and they lay the child in the red hot arms and the child burns up in the arms Just of incinerate, incinerates mm-hmm. and that is the sacrifice to this god for fertility for rain for whatever you need and so in all his wisdom it's gone sour and he's done this and so he did all for his uh, foreign wives he made offerings and sacrificed to their gods mm-hmm. it's like no and then of course the lord raises adversaries yeah the lord's like uh no yeah, your heart is turned away from me. The one thing you were supposed to do, and it does mention, like, God had appeared to him twice. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like Moses-type stuff that happened for you, Solomon. Yeah. So he says, okay, uh, you're in trouble. 
since this has been uh, your practice and you have not kept my covenant, I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. Right. But now here's a line that we're going to hear over and over again that has uh, come to warm my heart. Mm -hmm. Yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days and I will not tear it out of the no, hand of your but son. but I will. But. Oh, but I will. Okay, sorry. Yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will do it to your son. Yes. But... The idea for me is, is for the sake of David. So because of the promise mm -hmm. to David and David's heart, right. uh, God's going to keep his promise to maintain a line in the house of David. Mm -hmm. But he's going to tear the kingdom apart. Now, he won't tear all of the kingdom away, but right. he will give one tribe to your son. And so the one tribe really is the tribe of Benjamin because uh, the tribe of Judah is just like a given because you're from the tribe of Judah. Right. But the one tribe of Israel... That will stay with him. So this, at least the land. This is pivotal <laughs> this Benjamin. because now God is acting to do what kind of had already happened naturally in the past. There was divide. God mm -hmm. brought it all together, and now God says, "You know what? Officially, I'm going to tear away these ten tribes. You're mm -hmm. going to be Judah, Benjamin, and Levi doesn't really have any land, so the right. Levites are kind of absorbed into Judah." And this is awful news. And then immediately you realize there's been protection that God has been giving Solomon all these years. Yeah, because he's had peace for most of his reign. And and again, so if you think about it, he is torn away from God. Yeah, That's what's happening. And so God's like, fine, you want to tear away from me? What happens when you tear away from me is all the things that I've given you are going to be torn away from you. Yeah. And so now we have flashbacks to earlier campaigns of David who had made enemies yeah. during his reign. That's why he didn't build the temple. That's why he couldn't build all this stuff is because he made real enemies. Yeah. And these enemies were in hiding um, while David reigned. And now that they're hearing about Solomon and what's going on in Israel, these enemies are starting to crawl out. Yeah, like so two things for me. One was um, God had been protecting Solomon mm -hmm. from... Basically, like the first guy who pop, there's gonna be three guys who pop up. Right? Yes, Hadad the Edomite mm -hmm. basically has been waiting since Joab wiped out all the men of Edom. Yes, he escaped. So if you don't wipe out all the men, you got some little boy out there living, dedicating his life to getting revenge. Mm -hmm. So when he heard that David died, his whole this it's like Count of Monte Cristo. Mm -hmm. Like this Hadad, I mean, this is like a huge. His life was about revenge. Yeah, and now he sees his chance. And then you got another guy who's upset, Rezon. Uh, yeah. And then you got... Uh, so Rezon, so we have... Jeroboam. So we have Hadad, who's in the south, Rezon, who's from the north, and then uh, Jeroboam, who's from Israel. He's an Ephraimite who has the birthright of Israel. And so we have yeah. enemies from the north, the south, and within. And within. So rising up. That was my second thing, was like the Lord has been protecting him. Like these things mm -hmm. have happened. Your actions have consequences. Mm -hmm. But the Lord will forgive and hold, you know, and, and can rescue from that. But when you turn from the Lord, I think there's just things that he's holding together for us that we aren't even aware of. Right. And obviously Solomon is in that. And you'll see, yeah, so let's go through. Um, so the one I want to go through is Jeroboam. Yeah, of course. And so Jeroboam... He was uh, a servant of Solomon. Solomon loved him, and uh, he kind of was over the labor force. Yeah. And a prophet, uh, Ahijah? Ahijah? Ahijah. 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 Yeah, Ahijah, the, the Shiloh knight. Yeah, so he's from Shiloh. Yeah, so, makes sense. That's so, again, probably a 
probably a Levite. Mm-hmm. Um, most most prophets were Levites, and so he shows up to Jeroboam. He takes him out to a field. They are alone. He's wearing so Ahijah is wearing a new cloak. He rips the cloak off of his body and tears it up into twelve pieces. We've heard that before. Mm-hmm. And he gives ten of those pieces to Jeroboam and says, "The Lord is going to give you ten tribes, but He will keep the others for." Uh, Solomon's sons. So basically choosing some of them Ephraim. Yes. Which is appropriate, right? That's like kind Joshua. Of, yeah, it's like going back and forth mm-hmm. from Judah to Ephraim. Mm-hmm. Um, that, except for that little Benjamin kick. Yeah. Um, but he, that, what was I going to say? He, uh, Jeroboam is interesting. I think that he's kind of a candidate for the people, right? Like he's been in the places of labor yes. managing that. So I think he's a natural he's like the natural next leader. Yes. But things are not going well. Solomon hears about this yeah. or notices like there's something different and so uh, Jeroboam runs into hiding. So he actually flees to Egypt as Does the Lord talk to Jeroboam or does that is that just a hijack? That's just a hija okay. speaking on Saying the Lord's behalf. Saying if you behalf. follow the Lord, mm-hmm. it'll be good. He gives him. Well, that's later. Okay. That's later. So, um, oh no, he does. So a hija does say like, if you keep my commandments and if you right. obey me, like I will make your house as great as David's. But if you do not, I will end you. So again, come on, Jeroboam, do the right thing. And then what I what I really notice at the end of this is Solomon dies, right? Mm-hmm. And he's acting like a pharaoh. At the beginning of all this, you know, he's got like forced labor camps. He's got, um, well, maybe he's not acting like the Pharaoh. I'm sorry. Rehoboam's acting like the Pharaoh. Solomon is acting like uh, Saul almost, where you have Jeroboam fleeing to Egypt mm-hmm. and he's trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. And he's just not, it's like such a sad ending to, Sol- uh, to Solomon, is what mm-hmm. I was trying to say. Got it. And Jeroboam has to flee to Egypt. Like, even Mary and Joseph go to Egypt. Yeah. Of course, all the people go to Egypt. But so, then we get to Rehoboam. Yeah, so his son, Rehoboam, goes to Shechem, which is a city of refuge, which is where uh, Joshua like, made the covenant promise with the people. It's like near the Mount uh, Ebal and Gerizim. Right. So this is like big things have happened in the city of Shechem. And it's also kind of the capital city right now of Ephraim, the tribe of Ephraim. Okay. The tribe that Jeroboam's from. And so he goes up to Shechem to be declared king over all of Israel. Once Solomon dies. Yes. And so the people get together, and before they declare him king, they go, hey, your dad was like, put a heavy yoke upon us, and we had to work really hard under his reign. Uh, What can you do about it? And so he's like, give me three days. I'll get back to you. And Rehoboam, being kind of the privileged son of Solomon, mm-hmm. takes advice from the old guys and the young guys. Yes. The old guys are like, if you serve these people now, they will serve you forever. Yes. So lighten up. Yes. The young guys are like, no, it's our turn to rule, and your pinky figure is thicker than his thigh. Yeah. Which, you can talk to us personally about what that really means. <laughs> Um, basically, it's Rehoboam goes with the young guys and says, I'm going to establish myself. I get to rule. Mm-hmm. I get the power. I get the wealth. And I'm going to do it the way my dad did it, only better. Yeah, and he even says, uh, my father disciplined you with whips, but I'll discipline you with scorpions. Now, he doesn't mean the animal or yeah. the insect scorpions. He means, like, 
a whip that has metal shards of metal at the tide or at the glass, end. Glass, yeah, to yeah. tear into the skin yeah. while he's whipping you. So he's, he's acting like Pharaoh. That's now what I'm he's saying. now he's acting like Pharaoh and re-enslaving Israel. So and and making the burden heavier. Yeah. So surprise, surprise, most of Israel is like, no, no, yeah. no thank you. We don't want that. We'll take the people's candidate, Jeroboam. Yeah, and so they actually summon Jeroboam from Egypt when Solomon dies, and they're going to establish Rehoboam as uh, king. And so Jeroboam, upon hearing this response, does the rally cry that happened actually to David when he lost the kingdom to Absalom, uh, which is, to your, me- to your tents, men of Israel, we have no portion with uh, David. Right. And so they all rebel. Uh, Rehoboam still is like, whatever, and sends out his uh, slave master out to kind of get everything in order. And the men of Israel rise up and stone him. Just kill his messenger, yeah. So Rehoboam retreats to Jerusalem and realizes, oh, I'm in a bad place. And so he rallies together the armies of Judah and Benjamin to go fight against uh, the rest of Israel, and try to get them back. And God speaks to him. And God speaks to him. It's kind of funny. I mean, God just says, hey, this is from me. Don't yeah. do it. Don't yeah. fight. Yeah. And they obey. They actually obey this. And I think Rehoboam has to realize, I mean, this is a hard realization. Yeah. Basically, you just inherited um, like a broken down thing. Yes. And there's nothing you can do about it, Rehoboam. I know you're trying to be a... You have all the emotion of trying to be the next dad. You have I'm a daddy really, issue. I'm better than my dad. But you know what I just had the thought of is, I think Rehoboam had daddy issues, like we all would, wanting to do a good job as king, and then realizing there's nothing I can do about this split, mm-hmm. except to obey the Lord. But then I think Solomon had daddy issues too. So like even thinking about all the concubines, I mean, remember, Solomon's mom is Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. So I think there might be some generational, like, sin of I don't want to cheat like my dad and kill somebody I'm going to love women Mm -hmm. I've heard my mom cry and I'm going to be different yeah it's just interesting to think like because his wisdom I'm going to do better than my dad did but I'm going to do better than my dad did I'm going to treat women right I'm going to Mm -hmm. love them Mm -hmm. but without the guidance of God of God it's like it turns bad and so even in our overreactions to bad things I don't know to me I say God have mercy on me I'm not the wisest guy on the planet and so Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving us of our sins. And Mm -hmm. for the sake of Jesus, you keep your promise to us to save us. Yes. And we'll see that. And I think uh, God even says that to Rehoboam, like for the sake of Jesus, or for the sake of David, you're going to keep the line here. Yes. And I'm going to keep, for the sake of Jerusalem, I put my name on that place and on that temple, and I'm going to keep that. So for the sake of Jesus Christ, we are saved even in our... uh, foolishness mm-hmm. our New Testament reading for today is Acts chapter 15 another uh, pivotal chapter really mm-hmm. Acts just keeps establishing um, the framework and the foundation for Christianity and one of those foundations is um, what Rehoboam just ignored which is the wisdom from the elders mm-hmm and so already you have in Jerusalem, in the old, the original place, you have the apostles mm-hmm. and the disciples who are still alive. And uh, after all the crazy Gentile things happening through Peter and Paul and Barnabas, 
They're like, what do we do now? We didn't even know the Gentiles were going to be included in this thing. Mm-hmm. So how do we incorporate them? Like, what do we do? It's a, such a legitimate question uh, to the original audience mm-hmm. because the differences were so pronounced that um, they have to figure it out. So they go back to what's known as the Jerusalem Council. That's what we call it now. But it's to answer the question, what do we do? Because most of the early converts, they're all, all the early converts are Jewish. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of Pharisees who believe in Jesus, and they're saying everyone must be circumcised. And follow the law of Moses. And follow the law of Moses. And look what, I mean, look what they say in verse, at the end of verse 1, it even says, you, uh, you must be circumcised. Unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Mm-hmm. So they're tying salvation to circumcision, circumcision, which ties you to obeying the law. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think that's why Peter and Paul will both independently say baptism saves you. Mm-hmm. They're tying our salvation to baptism, which is tied to Christ fulfilling the law, mm-hmm. Christ's death and resurrection. And so we're saved not by works, but by grace. And they were always saved by grace, even in the Old Testament, as they're waiting for someone to fulfill the law. And that's the misunderstanding. But what they do is answer the question honestly. So I think what I'm trying to say is this is how they thought. Right. And it's important to know because um, they see circumcision or baptism, these things, as saving at times. And, um, and so they take it seriously and they come down with basically huge ruling. Yeah. So they have like a good, like solid argument. But yeah. Peter finally stands up and he's like, look. We cannot debate that the Gentiles are out. Like yeah. they're they are in. They are part of this. We've seen it. I've seen it, and it's happening. He's cleansed their and hearts. the word of the Lord even says that this would happen. No distinctions anymore. Mm-hmm. He's cleansed their hearts by faith. And so he's like, "Why would we place a yoke on them that not even we could keep?" Exactly. Which was fulfilling the I law. I love that line. Yeah. And so um, they've been saved by grace, and he then. Quotes, uh, what does he quote Amos? Are they quoting Amos a lot? I feel like they're quoting Amos a lot. Uh, In verse 16? Yeah, it's Amos. Amos 9. Amos 9, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, a deep cut. There's a deep cut from Amos, uh, and it says, All the Gentiles who are called by my name. Uh, oh, okay. So it says, I will rebuild its ruins, I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name. Says the Lord who makes these things known from of old. So what we see the disciples, yeah, these guys are saying, look, the Old Testament has been saying mm-hmm. you are going to be a light to the whole world. Like Abraham's right. promise was for all nations. And then he quotes in Amos, and it's it's all over the place in the Old Testament once you start realizing that. And all the Gentiles who were called by my name, like it was going to take over the world mm-hmm. the same way, tending to the garden. You're going to have be fruitful and multiply over the whole earth. Like, that's right. always been the plan. And so now uh, they're putting it together that the mm-hmm. Old Testament is going, it's full of these statements, and their eyes are open to go, oh, it's always been about us reaching the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. We just weren't equipped to do it. So now we are. So what do we do with the Gentiles? And they basically come, there's an old album by the Red Hot Chili Peppers called Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. That's how I think of this ruling. Oh, yeah. That is look, exactly. Y'all, yeah. Look, y'all, we need uh, no blood sugar sex magic. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we stay away from idolatry, from blood and eating things, like to get power, mm-hmm. like eating raw hearts and stuff like that. And any Sexual kind of, immorality. And all the fornication, because you're going to be, all these Gentiles come from, I mean, literally, 
are coming from sexual stuff is worship Mm -hmm. and all that. So they're going, you got to stop that. So it's not law. Yeah, it's just abstain from those things. Because you're tying yourself to the demonic. Mm -hmm. like, And the one thing that we put on you is you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You rest in that. And then you abstain from worshiping other gods. Like this is the only God. He is the God that will answer all your problems. Mm -hmm. And this is like great news. So as they go back, so then you have, they're going back to the cities because the first thing is go tell Antioch, the new the new central hub yeah, of Christianity. Uh, of Gentile Christianity. So the 100 miles on the way up there, they're spreading the word through mm-hmm. Samaria and all that, and people are like rejoicing. Yeah, so they send um, Judas called Barsabbas, and, which I think Barsabbas means son, son of the father. Bar means son and yes. Abba means father. Yeah, yeah that's kind of cool. And uh, Silas, um, who we'll read more about Silas later, but they go up with uh, Paul and Barnabas to give this letter to Antioch as they are the rep- the Jewish representatives of the Jerusalem Council, right. reassuring the people that this isn't just Saul or Paul and Barnabas making things up. It's really from the Jewish Council. And so if you hear th- anything contradictory to these words, know that it's wrong and not from the Jerusalem right. Council. And this is huge for us because we are Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so every so often, and there's always a movement of what I believe are well-meaning Christians. They're trying to take the Bible in its entirety and take it seriously, which I do. Mm-hmm. But they often will be like, look, we should be observing the Sabbath on the Saturday. We should be mm-hmm. uh, observing the laws, uh, the ceremonial laws and these food laws because they're good for us and they're mm-hmm. God's law. And, and while we say, yes, these are good for us. Uh, we have to remember our heritage is we were brought in. Yeah, we're Gentiles. We're, we're Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And we were brought in with don't worship other gods and confess and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And now worship me and learn how to live together in the church that gathers around the Lord's Supper. So here's mm-hmm. our sacrifice, Lord's Supper and baptism. Mm-hmm. And we get confession. You know, these are our yeah. things. And so it's tempting sometimes to want to, go back and be like more pure mm-hmm. and add the Jewish stuff. But I think we're allowed to look at it and see how it all prefigures Christ fulfilling it. And we say, praise Jesus all the more. Yes. But don't ever get confused that you uh, are lacking something. And it goes both ways. You're lacking by not being more Jewish or you're lacking by not mm-hmm. being more charismatic, you know, and like, I don't speak in tongues or have all these. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, no. You have everything you need in Christ. You confess him, you worship him and you receive what you need through the Lord's Supper, baptism. Confession and absolution. Cool. So then it ends with, I think they have a, a healthy dispute over that because it's a big deal. And now let's go back and encourage all those places we read about where we saw wonders and works mm-hmm. and then got stoned. I think it's cool too. Before it, yes, uh, is uh, Judas, Judas and Silas are like prophets, oh. and they're encouraging, like they're from Jerusalem and now they're there and giving words of encouragement to. Uh, the Gentile Christians and like encouraging them and building them up in their faith. So again, it's just like a cool little like, and it's so cool. They're being connected to something historic and Mm -hmm. huge. And that, especially in that area. And just a little preface of who Silas is and and what he's going to be in this next story. So, well then I think then it leads into all we get to is as they're heading out. um, I like this story because they had to figure out one thing already, mm-hmm. handling disputes. They figured it out using the word of God, the spirit of God, the elders. 
And now there's another dispute because Paul is like, I'm not going. Okay, so Paul is like, hey, Barnabas, let's go go back and visit all the churches we've been to. Every church, let's just go check in on them. Sounds great, right? And Barnabas is like, yeah. Okay, you're Barnabas. I'm Paul. Hey, Barnabas, let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, can I bring my boy, John Mark, with us? Remember him? Yeah, I remember him. He quit. I'm still pretty mad at him. What? What? No, man. He told me to quit on us. No! He wouldn't. Look, I mean... You know what? He wouldn't even go to the Gen. We were going to the Gentiles because we already went to the synagogue, and he refused to go with them. And so I can't take him. No, nah, look, it'll be fine. He'll be great. It'll nope, be a great thing. Not doing it. Really? Yeah, really, Barnabas. See now he's getting belligerent. And Barnabas, you fine. Was, I think too you would have said, "Hey, my buddy, that was before the Gentile ruling, man. Yeah. That was before he knew he could hang out with Gentiles." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I saw his face. <laughs> he hates him." Cool. All right, well, I'm going to take him. Okay. Then you're going to go that way, and I'm going to go this way. And hey, Silas, <laughs> let's go. And so they split up. And uh, I think, though, I think this is like a sinful interaction. Yeah. But it's also a good interaction. Right. It's not like so sinful, but it's like they can't get along. It's just a normal, broken interaction. Yeah. You have Christians are going to have disagreements. And I think it's honest. I don't even know if it's sinful. I think it's, it's just, actually a real... You know what? I'm not doing that. Well, I am. And yeah. you're allowed to. Yeah. And so then now we end up, though, with two missionary groups Which heading out yeah. and covering and revisiting the churches that have already been established. Strengthening the churches. So I think in that way, uh, it works out. Sometimes yeah. our splitting up and fighting uh, in ministry works out mm-hmm. to spread the love. But I also think it's cool that Barnabas was probably going, I'm doing what you do, Paul. Mm-hmm. And Paul, like, first of all, I am the one who took you under my wing, Paul. Right, right. Remember? And now I'm taking someone else. Anyway. Yeah. And so Paul it all apparently likes Silas, and so he's like, you know what? I'm going to partner with that guy. Which is another he, thing, like, you're he, allowed to choose. Yeah. And I like so this guy. he calls him back up from Jerusalem, and they go off. Sweet. And this is going to work to the real excitement of spreading the gospel now to the known world. Mm-hmm. Today I'm going to read Psalm 77, verses 10 through 20. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.